pray with me. Lord, how sweet it is just to worship you and to realize again what you have done for us. Help us to realize it even more as we worship you in spirit and in truth as you come to your people through your word. Give us, Holy Spirit, the minds to understand this. We cannot do it with our natural minds. Bless all your dear children in your tender care and fit us for heaven to live with you there. Come now and help us to please you in our understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all year we've been talking about salt and light because that's what Jesus said we were. Looked at us and said, you're the light of the world. And during this Christmas season, we want to make sure that this is not just like a separate holiday season where Christmas is its own thing. That we realize that Christmas is the summation or the epitome of what God did from the very beginning when he said, let there be light to the very end when we go to the kingdom that is heaven where everything is light. Sun is needed no more because it is all light. And so there is a sense in which we usher in the light. We are the receivers of the light. Now last week Orlando and Isaac taught about the light and the darkness that is in us and how God replaces and can replace the darkness with the light. This week, I want to go even more personally and talk about the light that begins even in the womb. And to do that, we're going to see the creation of Christ by God, and we are going to see the implications of that creation for all of us. If you have your scriptures with you, turn to Luke chapter 1. And I'll read to you a very familiar passage And we will visit it again for a new understanding. We will begin with verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now use that that, that word twice, virgin. Now I've heard people... Who are well-meaning, I'm sure, but they're wanting, they're wanting to make it easier for non-believers and they say, "Well, they don't really mean virgin." You know, they, they, what they mean is like young unmarried woman. That's what it meant in the Greek, young unmarried woman. And so it doesn't it doesn't talk about you know it's not talking about her sexual history. Of course it is. I, I mean, I'm going to tell you a little bit more as we go with this, but let's not be goofy about this thing. I remember being in undergraduate school at Ohio University. Back in the 60s, of course, we argued about everything. And, and, and non-believers would always argue, this would always be their big thing. Virgin birth, yeah, who believes that? And, and it, was, it was just so unbelievable that, that um, uh, anybody with a scientific mind would believe in anything such as a virgin birth. Well, it wasn't too long. It may have been my senior year or, or after I graduated that I read in Time or Newsweek. I can't remember which one of those two. Uh, but there, there was an article on parthenogenesis. Now, the Greek word for virgin that's used here is parthnos. And, and parthenogenesis means virgin birth. And, and, and that is a legitimate branch of, of biological studies. And there was an article in this uh, magazine, I think, if I remember correctly, it was approaching Christmas, uh, of the study 
of Parthenogenesis or virgin birth. And there it recorded the incidents of virgin birth as it went up the sophistication of the phylogenic scale. And it started out with the mites, and then it went to the insects, and then it went to the mammals, and so on and so forth. And the gist of the article was this, that there are incidents recorded in science of animals that usually reproduce by sexual reproduction, but they reproduce in some incidents asexually, or that is without sex. And these are recorded in the animals. And, 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 and the gist of the article was that that becomes, I remember the last couple of sentences, that it becomes fewer and fewer uh, in incidents, or it becomes more and more infrequent as you work your way up the sophistication of the phylogenic scale. And, 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 and the last sentence was this. I mean, it, it, it told us about the incidents in all of these uh, animal categories, including mammals. And then it's the, the last sentence of the article was, for this ever to happen in a human being, it would have to be a miracle. <laughs> well, <laughs> what have we been saying? Okay. This, this, is, this is literally less difficult to believe today because science is doing this. Science can impregnate a woman who has never had sexual relations. Uh, we do it with petri dishes and needles. And I, I'm, I'm really hoping here that you really believe that God can do at least as much as a laboratory can. All right? Okay. <laughs> and then it says this. And coming in. Now, this is the angel. I want you to catch this. I love this. Angel comes in the room. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. <laughs> now, I want you to think what what it'd be like if just an angel came into the room. Now, what what you need to know here is hail is a very typical saying. He's trying to set her at ease here. It'd be like an angel coming into the room at your house and go, Hi. <laughs> want you to know it's good. This is good news. But Mary, as you, as you search the scriptures and you see the different references to Mary, is a very analytical young woman. I mean, she's not, te- she doesn't, she's not very, I mean, she's very analytical. And it says, but Mary was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this must be. Now, just see the picture for a minute. Mary's surrounded by an angel. And, and, the, and the reason I say she's surrounded by an angel is because it doesn't take a whole lot of angels to surround you. I mean, one is enough because, because it takes up your whole landscape. I mean, it's all you can see. I mean, think of a, if, a, if an angel came to your house right now and you were in your you know, like living room. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be going, okay, refrigerator, TV, dirty dishes, angel. <laughs> you'd be going, there's an angel. I mean, that's all you could see. And so you'd be surrounded by the presence of an angel. And that would have an effect on you, not only mentally, but physically. You know why? Because we have understood that being in the presence of those who believe has an effect on us physically. Whether or not we're taking it all in. Think of this just for a moment. And and there was an article uh, November 8th uh, of the Sentinel, there was a little special deal, and they were just listing some of the effects of faith on our physiology. And a few of the, a few of the things that it noted were these. In a recent study done at Harvard University, by the way, all of these are non-Christian studies. 
They're all secular, academic, or government studies, so there's absolutely no reason for them to be biased. But in a, in a recent study uh, at Harvard University, they performed an experiment in which they took a group of students, divided the group in two in order to watch two different movies. Um, and, and before they went in to watch the movie, they took a, a test of their saliva in order to gauge the effectiveness of their immune system. Into one room, they sent a group of students, and they watched a movie of the Department of Agriculture. <laughs> in the other room, they, they, they uh, sent a group of students and showed a movie of Mother Teresa, a documentary of Mother Teresa. They interviewed these students as they came out, and they got their emotional reaction to the movie. Uh, uh, surprisingly, the emotional reaction of both groups were pretty much the same. Boring. I mean, neither one of them were thrilled with the movie that they saw. But they tested the saliva again. And those that had watched the movie of the Department of Agriculture had no change in their immune system. But those who had watched the movie of Mother Teresa, even though they were bored by it, had a marked increase in the effectiveness of their immune system. You see, just being around, no matter what you think you're getting out of it, just being around believers, just being around those sent by God has an effect on you physiologically. There was another study done at, uh, from uh, USC, University of Southern California, 30-year study, 5,000 in this study. Now, that's a significant study. And those that went to church every week had a 35% lower mortality rate from all causes, not just diseases, not just car accidents, all causes than the rest of the study. Just from, they, they didn't interview how strongly they believed, they didn't interview them uh, of how deeply they, they just, just, that was just it. You see, being around believers, being around those who are sent by God has an effect. The last thing, that I, the, the last one I remember is a study by the uh, National Institute of Health Government Agency. Um, the, the, they, they did a survey of the last 10 years of medical journal entries. And they gauged, uh, uh, I'm sorry, they, the survey was of any referent to religion and its effect on health. And as they pulled those uh, articles, they observed that the references to religion, 81% of them, had a positive correlation to increased health. Only 15% of them had no correlation or were neutral. And only 4% of them said that religion had a detrimental effect to somebody's health. But 81%. So, so what I'm trying to say here is this. That there is, the Bible is getting us ready for a change in physiology by noting the presence of an angel. It improves your health. By the way, if you wonder, should I come to, you know, I don't, uh, Christmas, I don't want to go to church. You know, parking lot's messy. You know, uh, lots of people. I'll see you after the first of the year. Don't do that. Just whether you think you're bored in here or not, whether you think you're getting anything out of it, it really improves your health. No, it, there's a, sometimes you can't gauge exactly what you're getting out of it. Sometimes just being in the presence, I think, Every time, just being in the presence is better than not being in the presence. So here's, so here's an angel in a room. And this, is, and this is what the angel says. 
Verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now, the, the, the Hebrew, the Aramaic here is Yeshua. It is Yahweh saves. That was Jesus' name, Yeshua. Yahweh saves. Now, the father always named the child in this, in this society. The father is naming the child. You shall call his name. It says, and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I am a virgin. Now here it comes. I mean, no holds barred. This is not just talking about young unmarried girl here. She's saying literally, in the first place, I don't want you to think she's doubting. It's not like Zacharias. When the angel came to Zacharias, Zacharias did this guy. Well, what? How will, I, how will I know? What will I say? It's like, I'm not sure you're for real. And the angel just basically said, oh, just shut up. <laughs> and the guy couldn't talk till the baby was born. You know, it was like, <laughs> Mary's not saying that. Her response is different. When in Greek, it's, it's not how, how will this be. It's, it's, I'm not sure. It's, it's, it's how can, not how can this be, but how shall this be? In other words, I'm not doubting it's going to happen. You remember that little analytical mind I told you she I mean, she was very, very, you know, wanting to understand. And so she's going, how? she's scanning the screen here. Nothing's coming. No possibilities are coming up here. Because she says, since I am a virgin, it literally, it, 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 it literally says in Greek, since I have known no man. I, I don't, there's, there's no possibilities here. How are you going to do that? Now look at this next verse. I love this. It says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Oh, just a minute. And it says, And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Now I want to take you, those of you who like to study the Bible, I want to take you back to the first scene recorded in Genesis. Genesis Chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Because I want you to see how light invades the darkness and how the creation of the doorway of heaven mirrors the creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then the second verse tells you how. And the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now, I want you to, just in your mind, picture the universe at this time, the nothingness of, at this time as a womb. It says, And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. I want you to know that God created Jesus the same way. There was this womb. It was, it was dark. It was watery. It was void. And the movement of God, the movement of the Spirit of God came over and He spoke the light of the world into that womb. Oh, I love that. God is so good to create a whole nother doorway to a whole nother world 
with the same method, same God. And then it says this. It says, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Now, don't miss this. This is so great. When God created Jesus, it looked like it was too late for the world. I mean, think of the Israel, think of the, the Jewish nation. They're occupied with the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. And it's like, well, at one time we thought we were going to be on top of the world, and mm, looks like it's too late. But I want you to see that the Bible goes from the creation of Jesus to the creation of John in Elizabeth's womb, and it spreads from that which is the highest to that which is broader. It goes from Jesus to John to us. There is a principle here I don't want you to miss. You see, God has a habit of taking hopelessness and speaking light into it. Of taking what you thought was dead and speaking life into it. How did the nation Israel get created? He went to an old couple. They'd been barren for years. They'd given up all hope, Abram and Sarah. And he said, you're going to have a son. And Abram looked at him and said, this body, Sarah laughed. That's what Isaac means. It means laughter. They had given up, but God was just getting started. How did God birth John the Baptist? He went to an old couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth. They thought their time was past. They thought their dream was dead. <laughs> then God showed up. And God spoke life into this womb. <laughs> How many of you this morning have chances you think are dead? They're, they're, they're going, it's too late now. It's too late now. <laughs> not for God. If it's God's will, not for God. Emily Dickinson, my favorite poet, writes this. It was too late for man, but early yet for God. Creation impotent to help, but prayer remained our side. How excellent the heaven when earth cannot be had. How hospitable then the face of our old neighbor, God. Don't you give up. If it's God's will, you think it's dead and gone, you think it's over, you think it's too late, not on your life. God's just getting started. It may be too late for God. It's er or too late for man. It's early yet for God. I want you to understand that God speaks light into what's empty, what's not there. He speaks life into it. He brings it out. And when he does that, you need to guard the environment. Always guard yourself for hope. Always guard yourself for hope. And Mary goes from there. Read on with me. Mary goes from there. 
It says in verse 37, For nothing will be impossible with God. And as soon as Mary heard that, she set her body in motion. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, be it done with me according to your words, first to her knees, then to her feet. I want you to see the parallel here with the Lord's prayer. Mary's saying, Whatever you want to do with me, that's what I want to do. What do we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Mary was doing with her body. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First to her knees, then to her feet. And now at this time, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful how God can take what He specifically and only did in the life of the birth of His Son, but more specifically and more tenderly Spread it to us all. I've been reading a book this week called uh, What We Can Learn from the East. It's by Breteau. It says there's something wrong with Western theology in that Western theology mostly sets up theories and then tries to meet up to them. But in the East, there is a sense that faith is life. It is experience. That's what we can learn. We, we, we sell God short if we say, oh, God, it's so neat you did that for Jesus. It's so neat you did that for Jesus. It's so neat you were so intentional. It's so neat you were so miraculous for Him. The rest of us were just born naturally, but He was miraculous. I want you to turn with me just for a minute to Psalm 139. And I want you to see that every one of us was created by the intervention of God. Every one of us. You see in Psalm 139, it's talking about where can I even hide from God? And it's thinking about the darkest places of the earth because they know God is light. And it says in verse 11, If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to thee. And then look what it does. It goes to the darkest place of all, the womb. It says, For thou didst form my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. And I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works. You know who he's talking about here? You, (laughs) you, every one of you, wonderful are thy works. And this my soul knows very well. (laughs) It says, thine eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in thy book, they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet... There was not one of them. How can he say that? 
Go back to verse 15. My frame was not hidden from thee. When I was made in secret. When I was made in secret. And skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. You know what? You were never just a bunch of cells in a womb. Ever. (laughs) From the very beginning... You were an artwork of God. From the very beginning, you were specifically made by the Father who is in heaven. If we could only understand that. And there's no more appropriate time of the year to understand that. There's no more appropriate time of the year to understand that the one who came down as a baby. You talk about covert leadership. I was reading in, in, in Harvard Business Review this week, the latest issue, November, December, talks about covert leadership. So it says, you know what? For, for, for people who are built to lead, they don't need controls. They don't need instructions. They just need permission. And, 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 and when and when you have that kind of creation then the leadership they need is covert leadership. The one who says, you know what, you got it. You go for it. That's what this is. He didn't come down to control more. He didn't come down to give us 50 new commandments. He didn't come down to instruct and coerce us. He came down as a baby. Covert leadership. You know why? Because he already made all of us to do what he intended for us to do. We've already got it. (laughs) And if we could only realize how he made us just like he wanted us, I don't care how it appears on the outside. We were woven together in secret. This birth of Mary seemed normal from the outside, didn't it? What normal was it? No. Every one of us seemed normal. We're not normal. No. No, we're specifically made for what he intended for us. Every one of us. Now think about this for a minute. If all of us realized that, how would that change life? How would that change your life? Do you think that we would ever do the shabby and silly and detrimental things to ourselves if we realized who we were? If we could remember who we are? No, no. We are special creations. Do you think? uh, Friday I read the latest statistics for abortion. Now now listen to this. These came out. Now even, even where these come from, the Center for Disease Control, these come out of. I'm not sure why the government links abortion with the Center of Disease Control. But the latest statistics on abortion are these. There are 314 abortions for every 1,000 live births. You know what that means statistically? That 24% of all pregnancies end up in the garbage pail. Now, please don't go to condemnation, and please don't go to blame, and please don't go to guilt. But just ask yourself this. If these people knew the special, intricate work of God that was growing inside of them, what would happen to that statistic? You understand? We understand when we get bigger that we are unique. 
But sometimes we think, well, we got to be unique just on our own. And this was our choice. And so therefore our uniqueness is just kind of our gifts back to God. And we don't trace it back to the womb. Well, it is fun. It is fun to, to, to understand that everybody is unique and, and nobody can replace anybody else. It is fun to see the variety that God has given us in the people around us. Yesterday, I was going through my mail. Just th- I, I, just, I won't do this very often to you, but, and this is not at all unusual, but I, got th- I just opened these three things in a row, and I want you just to see the variety of people. The first one was a Christmas card from a good friend of mine whose wife just died. They've been married 40-some years. And, and he said, thank you so much for your love and support and comforting over the years. She'd, she'd battled cancer for a long time. And most recently at the loss of my precious wife. After you all visited her Saturday, she died on Monday a.m. I rejoice that she is with God and no longer suffers physical pain. <clears throat> but I miss her more than words can say. I will always remember her answer when you told her to save you a place in heaven. She said, Joel, I'll do it, but you got to shout real loud Cause I won't, so I won't have any trouble finding you. This was this quality of this woman. I mean, she just had to the last moment this great sense of humor. I, I wonder, no, I know what kind of Christmas he's going to have. Is there anybody in the world that can replace this man's wife? No. He may someday fall in love again. He may get married again. But there's no one in the world that can replace a person who you've lost. You know why? Because God makes everyone specific and special. People are irreplaceable. The next, the next thing I opened was this, this letter from this little girl. I loved it. Look, it's got green pilgrim's hats. They should have been so merry. It's got a purple turkey. It's got red acorns. It says, Dear Pastor, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving today. And you are my favorite man of the whole world. Love, Alicia. Is there any other little girl like this in the whole world? No. There's just one. There's just one. Let me read you the third one. It's on the other end of the spectrum. Dr. Hunter. I'm a junior at Lake Brantley High School and I've attended your church for almost a year now. For the past two years, I've conducted research in the field of mathematics through a special program at Lake Brantley. In the course of my prior studies, I have measured various plants, vegetables, and fruit in search of a mathematical sequence called the Fibonacci Sequence which is derived by summing zero and one getting one the second term in the sequence and continue summing the terms. And then he has a bunch of numbers. He says, I would have sent you my research paper, which clarifies everything much better, but it's 60 pages long. (laughs) But if you're interested in that, I can email it to you. (laughs) I love this. Well, this year, I am researching a golden ratio in humans. Golden ratio is derived by dividing the nth term by the n plus 1 term of the Fibonacci sequence as n approaches infinity. In short, 
The golden ratio is an irrational number equal to 0.1680339. I am looking for that ratio uh, to prove that this ratio is apparent in humans in the ratio of pinky length, palm length, thumb length, palm length, width of the ear, height of the ear. In preliminary research, sample size 50, the golden ratio is inherently obvious. Here's where I need your help. <laughs> As you know, in order to prove anything using statistical methods, students, t-test, analysis, and variance, you need large sample sizes to reduce bias and increase probability. There are three categories of comparison, and then he lists all these categories of, of uh, people. And he says, I need roughly 25 male and 25 female in each category, which equates to roughly 350 people, to prove my data statistically, assuming the golden ratio is apparent. The amount of that data is out of my personal reach, so I'm asking you if there's any way I could measure even a small part of the congregation. <laughs> by means of the small group, nursery, or special events. <laughs> and then he says, it's, 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 and, and, and the Saturday night group has already volunteered to be measured here. And so we're going to help this guy out in this uh, high school project. Uh, and probably the, probably the Wednesday night group, too, they'll do anything. But uh... <laughs> The research will be presented at the National Symposium for Science and Mathematics, Florida Junior Academy of Science, regional, state, and hopefully international science fairs, and so on and so forth. Is there any kid like this? <laughs> uh, I love that. I love that. Every person was made specifically. You were never just a bunch of cells in a womb, ever. And you know, you know what? We know that more as we love more. We understand that more as we love more. I close with this. I read a story. John William Smith wrote a book. Um, My Mother Played the Piano. I love the title of that book. In which he has some family memories. And he says he remembers the day he took his oldest son to college. We've done this three times now, and it, it never, never gets better. He said, you know, as we were going up in the car, the whole family was going up together, and, and you just talk as much as you can because you don't want to think about what's coming. And he said, he said, so we're just talking and talking, but we get closer and closer to the place, and people run out of things to say. And he said, we got out, and we unloaded all this stuff, and Stood in the parking lot for a minute, and then he said, I just knew I had to kind of take control. So I looked at my son, and I said, well, say goodbye to your sister. And so he said goodbye. He said, okay, now say goodbye to your brother. And he said goodbye. He said, now say goodbye to your mother. <laughs> and he said, my son just held her and just cried. They just cried together. He says, I'm trying everything I can do to just hold it together. And he said, and then my son came over to me and he put his arms around me and he said, I love you, Dad. And then he said, isn't it funny how three words can pay for everything? (laughs) 
all the sleepless nights and all the emergency visits to the hospital and all the unmowed lawns and all the unmade beds and all the late night school projects. Three words, I love you and it's okay. If your adult children came in and handed you a check for $500,000 and said, here, this is payment for raising me. Wouldn't you look at them and say, that doesn't even come close. <laughs> but three words pays it in full. He said, when I was driving off that campus, I wanted to stop right at the edge, and I wanted to turn back, and I just wanted to shout to whoever would hear me, do you know what I'm leaving here? Do you know that whatever happens to him happens to me? Please love him. And I thought of the Father. Do you know what I'm leaving here? You know whatever happens to him happens to me. And then I thought about all of us, all of us that are his children. And whatever happens to you happens to him. So as we take communion this morning, we take it knowing this that it's not just about how life ends up because God's purpose wasn't just in what Jesus did. God's purpose was in how he was created and in how all of us were created that makes his plan to die for us understandable. Pray with me. God, be with us now in the sacrament in such a special way that we, by your nature now in us, can be reminded again of just who we are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would the servers please come forward? As they're coming forward, let me explain to those of you who may be new what we're going to do during this time as we distribute these elements, these elements are for those in the family of God, those who have trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. If you are not yet in the family of God, then I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you want to be a part of the family, if today God is calling you to the family, I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer. This is the prayer or some form of it that all of us prayed just to receive Christ as our Savior. And if you would like to become a part of the family, if you'd like to trust Christ for your salvation, you pray this in your heart as I pray it with my mouth. I pray this for two reasons, not only so that you can come into the family if you're not yet in the family, but I pray it so that all of you who are in the family can hear it. And if the Lord calls on you to pray it with somebody else, you'll know what it is. Please pray with me.
Lord, I confess that I have sinned. I confess that by my own life, I have gone away from you. And I know, Lord God, there's nothing I can do to pay that back. Because everything I have and everything I am, I owe you already. There's nothing in the world I can do to merit heaven, to earn it or deserve it. But I believe also, Lord, that you sent your son to die to pay for my sins. I don't know how that happens. It's a mystery. But today, I want to say thank you. I accept that payment. <laughs> Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and make of my life whatever you will. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're a part of the family of God. As soon as you leave here today, I want to tell you what's going to happen. Satan's going to be outside the door, and he's going to say, that wasn't, there's something else there. That was just way too simple. You need, to, you need to do something else. No, you don't. No, you don't. Once you say, I do, you're married. You don't have to do it again. Now, you spend the rest of your life trying to live like you're married. But once you say, I do, you're married. If you just prayed that prayer with me, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And we want you to partake of this communion. Now, as these elements are distributed, if there's something on your heart that you need to pray with somebody, you don't want to take communion before you, you, before you get this off your chest, there's some people in the back, in the last row, um, and they'd be glad to pray with you. They got, they got prayer badges on. They'd just be glad to pray with you. And they will distribute communion to you. Uh, but for the rest of us, let us receive the elements now and hold them so that we can take them together.
Please pray with me. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to partake of this sacrament of thy Son, Jesus Christ, that we may walk in newness of life, and may grow into his likeness, and may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for thee, preserve thy soul and body unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for thee, and feed on him in thy heart by faith with thanksgiving. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thy soul and body unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for thee, and be thankful. Lord, we are thankful. Help us live thankful. Amen. You clothed yourself with frail humanity. You did not wait for me to cry out to you, but 
a prayer team if you'd come forward and let me invite you as we do every week to come and pray with your brothers and sisters if something's on your heart and it would be helpful I know some of you came in this morning you were pretty anxious about some stuff and it would still help just to have somebody to stand by you and hold your hand and take it to the throne and some of you uh, are hurting some of you are hurting so bad you didn't hear most of what I said we understand that that's okay but you need to be reminded of who the solution is, where the solution lies. And some of you may have accepted Christ this morning and you say, well, what now? Good for you. Come forward, they'll tell you what now. For those of you, whoever, however, who are leaving today and are doing it now, let me give us this benediction. May God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit take us from this place. And give us eyes to see each person as a special creation and hearts to love them just like Jesus does.